Well, I'm so glad that you are here today, and good morning to those of you who are over in the Life Center. I'm glad that you're watching, as well as those who are watching online. We're grateful that you have tuned in. I want to say hello to the Lawsons today. Uh, I, they've contacted me recently to say that they watch on Sunday mornings, serving uh, from our church in another country as our Missions Go partner. And so we're grateful for the work that you're doing in that desperately uh, dark country that you're serving in. Thank you for serving, and we love you guys very, very much. Today, I want to talk to you about something that the Lord has just placed on my heart, and I just want you to listen with a spirit that is ready to hear from the Lord. I've actually prayed today that God would put His words in my mouth. I want you to hear from the Lord today, not hear from your pastor. But there are two fixed points in your life. One is your birth, the other is your death. And if you experience the first one, you will experience the second one. No one is exempt from death. Nobody gets out alive. And eventually, our time on earth will come to an end. Now, how's that for an encouraging way to start a message? But you know it's true, don't you? We don't, sometimes we think about death, but we don't like to talk about death. But you know it's true. The most undeniable and inevitable experience that we all share is that our lives, your life, my life, will end in death unless Jesus comes back first. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Amen? Now, here's the thing. It doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. It does not matter how rich you are or how poor you are. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have or if you're educated at all. It doesn't matter if you believe in God or if you're an atheist. It doesn't matter if you exercise seven days a week or if you sit on the couch seven days a week. Your life, my life, our lives are going to end in death. Here's the question. And then what? What comes after that? Jack Nicholson said recently, eventually we all hit the wall and wonder what's on the other side. Which I thought was a very interesting statement. Here is a man who has great fame, Here's a man who has great riches, wealth. Here's a man who has anything and practically everything he could want in this life. In this life. But he started thinking about, what about when this life is over? Then what? When, when we all hit the wall, what's on the other side? You see, that's a good question for all of us. What happens when we die? Is this, an, is this the end? I mean, you know, you kind of live your life, 50, 60, 80, 90, 100 years. Is this the end? Do we cease to exist once we die? Or you could say it this way. Is this life all there is to this life? Job speaks for all of us when he says in Job 14, 14, if a man dies... Will he live again? That's the question. Like Job, all of us have been challenged by that question. Exactly what happens after we die? Because we're all heading there. 
Jesus actually, thankfully, answers that question for us. And the answer is found in the Gospel of John, chapter 11. Would you open God's Word to the Gospel of John, chapter 11? While you're turning there, let me kind of give you a little background. Up until this point in John's Gospel, Jesus has given us four different pictures of who He is. We have looked at four of the seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. And in each one, Jesus presented himself as the giver of life. It's very interesting. In every one of the ones we've looked at so far, all of the I am statements we've looked at so far, in every one of them, Jesus has presented himself as the giver of life in one way or another. In the very first one, in John chapter 6, he said, I am the bread of life. In John chapter 8, he said, I am the light of the world. And then he referred to himself as the light of life. In John chapter 10, he said, I am the door and I am the good shepherd. And then he talked about offering abundant life to his sheep. But the question is, what about when this life ends? Is there life after death? John chapter 11, there is a wonderful story that helps us with that question. In John chapter 11, the story unfolds this way. A a messenger came to Jesus one day with the news that his dear friend Lazarus was sick. Let's read the text, John chapter 11, verse 1 through 3. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and his sister Martha. And this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured out perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Jesus had a very special relationship with all three of these people, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. he, He probably stayed in their homes many times when he went to Jerusalem. He likely... That likely was kind of his headquarters from time to time. When he needed a place to stay, when he needed a place to go, when he needed to get away from the crowds, he probably went to the home of his friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And so Jesus, when he gets this news, Lord, the, the guy that you love, the one that you love is sick, and it is implied he is deathly ill. When he gets this message, he sends the man back, with an encouraging message. Verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Then something strange happens. He waited two days before he went to Bethany. And by the time he got there, by the time he and his disciples arrived, Lazarus was dead and buried. Let's read this story, verse 5. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Now in verses 8 through 10, there's a debate about should we really do that because the last time we were there, they tried to kill us. And, after, and then in verse 11, we'll pick up the story. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. It's like, why are we going to wake him up? He'll wake up. If he's asleep, why why are we going there if he's just asleep? 
Verse 13, Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Verse 14, so then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Not Lazarus is going to die. Lazarus has already died. And for your sake, verse 15, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now, I want you to imagine over in the life center, I want you to try to get this in your mind. Everybody, try to imagine what it must have been like for the two sisters of Lazarus as they try to nurse their dying brother to health while waiting on Jesus to get there. Perhaps Mary was, had a wet cloth wiping his brow. Perhaps Martha sitting by his bedside holding his hand, but both kept looking out the door. Both kept waiting and looking, anxiously waiting and looking, anxiously waiting and looking and looking. Finally, they watched their brother die. They buried him. Been thinking a lot this week about my own brother Larry. He died on January 26th of this year. I've told you, some of you, this story, or at least part of this story, but I think it bears repeating. I got a call when I was in Jacksonville, Florida, about 4.30 in the morning. Phone rang, I picked it up, I looked at it, it was my brother Larry. I answered it, I said, hello, what's, what's going on? He said, Keith, I'm just calling to tell you goodbye. The doctors say I'm not going to make it. He was at Duke University Hospital. 4.30 in the morning, we get that call. Of course, we immediately get up, we pack up, we leave Jacksonville, Florida, heading to Duke University. It's a long drive from Jacksonville to Duke, especially when you're trying to get there under those circumstances. But I kept getting this call from his daughters, one and then the other, one and then the other. I got the call at least three times, maybe four times that day as we were traveling. Are you guys getting close? Hurry. Hurry. And I said, well, is he about to die? No, just hurry. Hang up. Hour or two later, another one of his other daughters would call. How close are you? Get here as quick as you can. Well, what's going on? Just get here as quick as you can. And they'd hang up. Of course, every time they called, my foot went down a little bit more on that gas pedal. I remember being probably an hour and a half outside of, uh, of Duke University, outside of the away from the hospital, about an hour and a half, and, and the phone rang for the third or fourth time. And again, are you here yet? Are you close? What's going on? Just get here as soon as you can. Hang up. When I got there, I understood. You see, Larry was in a lot of pain that day, a lot of pain. And they had a shot they could give him for the pain. But they also told him that if we give you this shot for the pain, to ease the pain, your heart is so weak, you probably won't last. You probably won't survive. You'll probably just go to sleep and that'll be it. Do you want us to give you the shot? And he kept saying the same thing every time. No, my brother's coming. He'd been in pain again. Larry, do you want that shot? No, my brother's coming. They asked him four or five times that day because he's in such pain. Do you want the shot now? No, my brother's coming. And when I finally got there, 
I got a chance to talk to him for a few minutes. And when he knew that I was there with his wife and I was there with his children, he turned to Summer and said, go tell the nurse I'm ready for my shot. And they gave him the shot. And within just a few minutes, he slipped into eternity. Martha and Mary must have felt that kind of anxiety. Is he here yet? I mean, if they had had a cell phone, they would have been ringing it all day long, wouldn't they? Is he here yet? Hurry, tell him to hurry. Do you see him coming? Always looking out the window, always looking out the door. Do you see him? Keep looking. Is he here yet? Now we pick up the story in verse 17. On his arrival, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for how long, church? Four days. I want you to feel the weight of those words. Already in the grave, four days. Feel the weight of those words. Talk about showing up too late. If this was anybody but Jesus, this would be an awful end to an awful story. So, Pastor, how was this four days? I mean, if he waited two days, how was this four days that he was in the grave? More than likely, it transpired like this. When the, on the day that the messenger came, day one, on the day the messenger came, on that same day, Jesus, uh, Lazarus likely died. And in that day, they buried you the same day that you died. They didn't have the, the ability to do what we do as what the morticians do to a body today. And so they buried you on the day that you died. So on day one, when the messenger came to tell Jesus Lazarus is sick, likely on that day he died and was buried. Day two and three, Jesus waited. And day four, he went to Bethany. And we pick up the story in verse 18. I want you to notice what happened. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Isn't that interesting? Mary stayed back. We don't know why, but when they both heard Jesus is here, could it be that Mary was so hurt, so angry, so frustrated? He said, I'm not going out there. But Martha did. <clears throat> Verse 21, look what Martha said to him. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You could have done something, but you didn't. You should have been here, but you weren't. If you had been here, this would have ended differently. If you had come when we asked you to come, he probably would still be alive today. You could have come, but you didn't. But Martha still has a glimmer of hope because look at the statement she makes in verse 22. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. She seems to have a faith that believes that Jesus can reverse the irreversible. I love this phrase, even now. Would you say those two words with me? Even now. Say it again. Even now. I hope over in the Life Center you're saying it as well. Let's all say it one more time. Even now. 
What's your even now situation? Maybe it's time to declare like Martha, even now, Lord, you can work through this. See, your even now situation is still not too great for him. Now notice the conversation that Martha had with Jesus, verse 23. Jesus said to her first, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. She probably had heard that from a lot of people. It was the Jewish belief in that day that there would one day at the end of time, there would be a a final resurrection. So, you know, it's kind of like in today's time when somebody dies, we say, well, you know, thankfully you'll get to see them again. Thankfully, one day we'll be together in heaven. We We say those words of comfort, and they're true, and they're real, and they're right. One day you'll get to spend eternity together. Something like that. That's essentially what Jesus was saying here. He said, your brother will rise again. But that's not what he meant. He didn't mean that last day. because That's the way she interpreted it. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I, I understand that. And then that leads to the great statement, our key verse in verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. I am. There's that phrase. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Now please mark this, note this in your Bibles or at least in your notes. He didn't say, I am able to resurrect. He said, I am the resurrection. And the one who believes in me will never die. You see, when Jesus said, I am the resurrection, he was saying, listen, it's not just what I do, it's who I am. Write this down. The resurrection is not an event. It is a person. And his name is Jesus. It's not just what he does. It's who he is. And you've got to get this. Let me lay this out for you. You've got to get this. Over in the Life Center, you've got to get this. First of all, Jesus is the one who gives us life. There's three things I want to give you here. Number one, Jesus is the one who gives us life. The Bible says in John 1, 3, Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. So it doesn't matter if you're an atheist or if you're a committed Christian. Jesus is the one who gives us life. The Bible says he's the one who's given life to everything. That's the first kind of building block I want you to get. Jesus is the one who gives us life to everybody. Second thing I want you to understand is this. Jesus is the one who gives us new life. Romans 6.4, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You see, not only is Jesus the one who has given you life, he is the one who can give you new life. But here's the third thing. Watch this. This is so good. Jesus is the one who gives us life after this life has ended. 1 John 5, 11 says, For this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. That's what Jesus is talking about in verse 25 and 26. He's talking about life after this life has ended. Look at the text again, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the what, church? And the life. Life after this life has ended. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. 
Jesus in His mercy did something for us we are incapable of doing for ourselves. You see, we're all destined one day to die. But watch this, Jesus offers you life after death. You see, raising Lazarus was simply a demonstration of what he can do for anyone. Raising Lazarus was just a picture of what he can do for everyone. Please remember this, Jesus is the only one who can overcome death. The only one. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the one who will overcome death, hell, and the grave. I am the one who can give you life. Therefore, when you die, you can still live because of me. Now, I want you to think through this with me. If Jesus is the one who gives us life after death, what about those who reject Jesus? What about those who never surrender to Jesus? What do they have? You know what they have? They have death. Eternal death. And I don't mean that they cease to exist when they die. I mean that after they die, they have nothing but death. You see, the Bible calls hell the second death. You die the first time physically, and then you die the second time eternally. Put your finger in John chapter 11 and go with me to the book of Revelation chapter 20. I want to show you this in Scripture. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of what, church? Book of life. The book of life is the book where our names have been written and we have put our faith in the one who is the resurrection and the life. So at the end it says this book of life will be opened. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books, plural. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Verse 14, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. He or she will experience second death. And I say to you very frankly, you do not want to be caught dead without Jesus. What you do with Jesus in this life will determine where you spend the next life. Now here's two points I want you to get today. If you take any notes, here's the two points of my message. I put them all together at the end here. First of all, number one, Jesus is the answer to our greatest problem because we all will die. 
Jesus is the answer to our greatest problem. See, your greatest problem is not your finances. Your greatest problem is not your marriage. Your greatest problem is not your health. Your greatest problem is that you are going to die. And are you ready for it? Are you ready for what's after death? Jesus is the answer to our greatest problem because we're all going to die. Number two, through Jesus, we can experience life after death. Say it again. Through Jesus, we can experience life after death. Go back to John 11. Look at it again. Verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. I like that phrase, will never die. Ladies and gentlemen, we have eternal security because of Jesus. He said, you will live and never die. We have eternal security because he gives us eternal life. I read this week the story, a true story, of a young pastor who was in seminary training to, to be a minister. And he went to a church to do a kind of an internship with that church and had never really had much ministerial experience. And that's why he went to do the internship. And first time in his life that he'd been trained and got a chance to, to talk to a, a pastor and work closely with the pastor. But there was also a lay person in that church that kind of took him under her wing. Her name was Barbara. She was a model of conviction and hope, a model of someone who loved the Lord, who was devoted to his church and, and to, to the church's ministries. And for six months, he worked alongside Barbara. For six months, he watched her and admired her commitment to God and her commitment to the church. And for six months, he learned from her. She provided advice and inspiration for him as he was beginning ministry. And then one day, Barbara called him. He said, it was a call I'll never forget because she called to tell me that she had a brain tumor and it was advanced. He said, two months later, I saw Barbara's body just deteriorate. And two months later, Barbara asked me to come by her house. And he said, I, I went by her house and as a young, inexperienced minister, he said, I didn't have a clue what to say. I, didn't, I was so uncomfortable, I didn't know what to say. She, here was my hero, and she was dying. And this young minister said, her last words to me were these. Don't worry about me. I'm about to go on the greatest adventure of my life. See, only a Christian can face death that way. Only a Christian can. Only a Christian says, don't you worry about me because I'm not worried about what's on the other side of the wall. Don't worry about me because I know, I know that there is life after this life ends. Don't worry about me because I know the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. And if any, many, any person puts their faith in me, they will live even though they die. Don't you dare worry about me. I'm about to go have the greatest adventure of my life. So, Pastor, and maybe you're here today or in the Life Center, and you're saying, how do you become a Christian? How do you get that kind of confidence how do you have that kind of a relationship with God how do you become a Christian I want you to look at verse 26 because I want you to notice the question that Jesus asked Martha he 
He says, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then here's the question. The question that he asked her was this. Do you believe this? He didn't say, do you know this? He didn't say, do you understand this? But Martha, what I really need to ask you is this. Do you believe this? And I love her response. Her response was not, I hope so. Her response was not, I'm not sure. Her response is in verse 27. Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Yes, Lord, I believe. I know that today, in this service and over in the Life Center, I know that today there's somebody here that needs to declare your faith like Martha did. Somebody here today and you need to say, I believe. I believe. I believe, Lord, that you are the resurrection and the life. You are the only one who can offer us life after we die. Jesus, I believe. And John would say to you today, that's exactly why I wrote this book. Remember what he said in chapter 20. John chapter 20. Listen to this. He says, verse 30, Jesus did many miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John says, that's the reason I've written the book. Because I want you to come to that point where Martha did. That point of surrender, that point of faith. That point in saying, you know, it's not about how good I am and it's not about how much I know and it's not about what I've done or haven't done. It's about declaring my faith in Jesus. I want you to be able to say like Martha said. Yes, Lord. I believe. I believe you are the resurrection. You are the life. And you are the only one who can give us life after this life is over. I believe. Do you? See, for some of you, you, you've, you've thought that salvation is about your behavior. If you change your behavior and if you're good enough and you do enough and Maybe mix in a little bit of your belief there, then, then, then hopefully maybe you'll be a Christian. And that's not the way it works. Jesus didn't say, Martha, are you behaving? He didn't say, Martha, do you understand? He didn't say, Martha, do you know? He said, Martha, do you believe? And that's the question I'm asking you. Do you believe? And today, will you declare your faith in Him? I want every head bowed, every eye closed, over in the Life Center, every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to ask you personally, I really believe that today somebody needs to put their faith in Christ. I really believe that somebody here or, or over in the Life Center, maybe in both, there's somebody here and you need to say, I believe.
I'm declaring my faith in Jesus today. Yes, Lord, I believe. I'm trusting in you. And so here's the way we're going to work it. I'm going to be here in the Life Center. Chris is going to be down front. And I want you to have the freedom and the opportunity as soon as we start singing to come to me or to go to Chris and say, I'm declaring my faith today. I'm declaring my faith in Jesus. I believe. Would you do that? Now, there's a lot of reasons you shouldn't. Satan will give you a long list of things you, reasons you shouldn't do it, reasons you should wait, reasons why this is not convenient. Maybe this is your first time here and you don't know anybody. You feel very uncomfortable. But the one who can give you life after death is I'm giving you this opportunity. Do you believe? I want you to say today, here I am, Lord. I come to you. And I believe. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that we would come to that point of surrender, that point of faith, that point where we acknowledge you. In Jesus' name, amen.